Support for this podcast comes from Frito-Lay in the 2023 Snack Bracket Championship. The Frito-Lay Snacket Challenge is underway, and fans are voting on their favorite snacks to crown champion. We're talking about primetime matchups between the best 64 snacks in the land. Will Ruffles Ridges reign supreme? Can Doritos defend their dynasty? Or will Smart Food use their smarts for a surprise upset? Only you can decide. Get in on all the action for a chance to win up to $1,000 or a year's worth of snacks. Let your snacks be heard. Just go to Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com to vote and enter for a chance to win. No purchase necessary. Sweepstakes ends April 3rd, 2023. Void but prohibited. Years worth of snacks awarded in the form of 52 coupons, each good for one bag of chips. See official rules at Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com. You are now listening to... Pat's Pulpit Podcast. All right. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Pat's Pulpit Podcast. I am Alex Shane here with you, as always, with my good buddy Rich Hill as we head into the holiday Christmas week. Usually the time of year we're all getting presents and putting out cookies for Santa and thinking about what the Patriots are going to do with their first round playoff by. Uh, I guess they have the first week of the playoffs off this year as well, but not quite in the same way because they are officially eliminated with another future performance against the Miami Dolphins. Rich, uh, I guess I can say I'm excited to break it down with you, but I'd be lying. I am not looking forward to this podcast at all. Totally. I mean, you just said it right before we started this. It feels like it's been a broken record with this Patriots team where uh, the way that they've been performing this week against the Dolphins is no different to how they played against the, the, the Rams last week. Even also with like the Cardinals two weeks before, the Texans, they've just been an absolute disappointment, even in some of the games that they win. Uh, outside of this Chargers game, this team has just been pretty bad as of late and all of the issues that we saw coming all year long with regards to not having offensive skill players meaning that the patriots can't score when they get into scoring position their weakness in their defensive front seven so they can't stop the run that's been the story of recent weeks and that's what happened against the dolphins the the dolphins came out ran the ball extremely well and the patriots weren't able to score once they got into the red zone and so they had to rely on four nick folk field goals Let's start there, Rich. Actually, let's start here. Let's start on a positive note. Congratulations to Nick, uh, to special teamer Jake Bailey for making the Pro Bowl. Congratulations to Matthew Slater, special teamer making the Pro Bowl. And congratulations to Stephon Gilmore for making the Pro Bowl. Well-deserved. Special teams have hands down been the only standout of this, this team all season long. Um, so good to go for those guys. And that's the end of the positivity. Let's start <laughs> with the negativity, Rich. What is it? Why did this team give up 250 yards on the ground against a mediocre at best rushing attack? That's on the heels of, what, 175 yards to the Rams? That's basically about 400 yards on the ground the Pats have given up in two games, and they haven't made a single adjustment. They kept going the the 4-2-5. They didn't get big. Why did this happen? Yeah, I mean, who are the Patriots playmakers against the run? Right? The, the New England strength is always in their secondary, and they can get away with this defensive makeup when they build a lead. When the Patriots get up, then they can manufacture pressure, and the defensive backs can make a play, force a turnover, and help the offense to continue to extend their lead. In these games where the Patriots are behind, 
the other team can say, we dictate how this game will go out. We'll run the ball. Who in the Patriots defensive front are you scared of, right? I mean, Lawrence Guy is a great defensive tackle. Adam Butler, I think, is up and coming. But at that linebacker spot, uh, Trez Hall, he was on the practice squad. He is not great. Juwan Bentley uh, played 16 snaps. He has been up and down this year. They can't find a role for Chase Winovich. I mean, this is a defensive front seven that strikes fear into no one, and the linebackers are very young and inexperienced. So if the running back is able to get past the line of scrimmage, they're going to pick up positive yardage. And that's what happened time and time again. Uh, And honestly, I don't think the return of Dante Hightower will fix it entirely, but it just is really clear that New England needs to invest in their defensive front seven if they're going to change their tune as they rebuild. I guess so. Cause, I mean, I feel like the Patriots have been able to at least kind of scheme their way around any defensive deficiencies in years past. But they just don't have the talent at any level uh, in the front seven to, to really make that scheme effective, especially when, for some reason, this setting the edge is just such a problem for this team. Anytime a uh, running back is able to bounce it to the outside, that's a, almost a first down. I mean, Ahmed averaged five yards a carry. Breda averaged seven yards a carry on 12 carries. That's just disgusting to have that. And it's really frustrating when a team just runs the ball down your throat because not only is it a clock control offense, not only does it force you to play more quickly when you get the ball back and throw it a lot, which the pages aren't good at, but it's just kind of like emasculating. It's basically kind of grabbing you by your own wrist and slapping yourself in the face. And you're like, quit hitting yourself. <laughs> quit hitting yourself. And there's nothing you can do about it. They didn't really do a whole lot of disguising. There were a couple trick plays they threw in there because I feel like Patriots, former defensive coordinators, love throwing trick plays to this Belichick offense or defense to show them that they, they, they know what's what. But luckily for me, Rich, I've kind of accepted the fact that the Patriots just stink this year and watching Miami Dolphins run all over them wouldn't have been as, as painful to watch for me this year as it would have been in years past. Yeah, and I, I think that's uh, true just because this year in and of itself has – kind of revealed itself to people who have been following the Patriots that this was obviously going to be a rebuilding year. Bill Belichick himself admitted that, you know what, this is the year to reset the salary cap. So them not succeeding means that uh, not much. (laughs) I mean, it's kind of expected. It's a weird year overall just because of COVID, but especially weird with Tom Brady no longer being there, all of these players opting out. And I mean, the fact that the Patriots lost this in a way that wasn't heartbreaking means that, yeah, of course, (laughs) yeah, they they had a little bit of a lead. Technically, this was a fourth quarter comeback for the Dolphins. But in reality, this is a a Patriots team that hasn't been able to beat good teams since, uh, I don't know, early in the year when Cam had COVID. Actually, I don't even know when (laughs) this team was truly competing. And so them losing, them having two games left and being completely out of the picture, possibly finishing the season eight and eight, more likely finishing it seven and nine. I think that's exactly where they should be. No, I think seven and nine is reasonable. I think I think when the season first started, you and I were talking about kind of floor and ceiling predictions. My floor was nine and seven. Uh, Obviously, I was wrong there. My ceiling was eleven and five, which makes me look ridiculous in retrospect. But who the hell could have known what would happen this year? And I really thought that going into the season. 
that Cam Newton would be a more dominant quarterback. I wouldn't expect him to return to his 2015 form, but he just has four more touchdown passes on the year than Jacoby Myers does. <laughs> so that kind of tells you all you need to know about the, the play of Cam Newton as a quarterback. I think he's a great guy. People love him in the locker room, but he just hasn't ever really put it together this season for one reason or another. And when your quarterback can't quite get on the same page as receivers and your receivers just aren't that talented and your tight ends are completely non-existent in the passing game, any defense worth their salt is going to stack the box, make it very hard to run, and force you to throw. And they've been doing that, the Dolphins did, and once they did that, the Patriots couldn't really adjust. Damian Harris was out, obviously, with the ankle injury. I thought Sonny Michelle looked pretty good, mm-hmm. honestly. It was pretty good. Uh, he's a nice little bright spot, but uh, he only had 74 yards rushing, and you know Cam had another 30-some-odd yards rushing. So they broke 100 yards on the ground, but... Didn't really do a goddamn thing. So as you said, they get to the red zone. They move the ball pretty well between the 40s, and then they get inside the red zone, and it's a Nick Folk time. And they're going to need to really address their red zone offense as part of this overhaul in the offseason. Yeah, totally. I mean, I, I pulled something together just looking at how the Patriots offense typically produces in the red zone. And obviously, this number is going to be a product of the number of opportunities that the teams have in the red zone. But I, I think it's a pretty good summary of how the team is scoring points. Uh, and, you know, the larger the number, the more successful they generally are on offense. And I, I looked at the number of red zone touchdowns that the Patriots have thrown uh, this year. And it's five. They have thrown five red zone touchdowns this year, two to Rex Burkhead, uh, one to Jakob Johnson, and two to Nikhil Harry. That, that is the Patriots' red zone passing offense. And you look in previous years, you know, it's roughly around 20 over the last two years of Tom Brady's career with New England. And then before that, when Gronk was healthy, it was closer to 30. And that is so indicative of the fact that the Patriots just don't have the offensive talent in their offense to gain any separation, to finish any drives, to have a certain player who can take over the game and say, I will win this matchup and score a touchdown. And honestly, even if Edelman were healthy, he's never been that player. He's never been a red zone threat for New England with regards to scoring touchdowns. So he probably he wouldn't have changed much for the Patriots. And what New England really needs is to get their tight ends involved, is to get some player who can out-physical, out-man, just get that quick separation against this defense that isn't a running back if they're going to have any chance at putting points on the board. And so if I am Bill Belichick and how am I going to approach this offseason for the Patriots with all this cap space, I need to get a couple blue-chip players that can produce inside the, the red zone. Yeah, I mean, scoring points is, last time I checked, a pretty important part of winning football games. So I do like your strategy there, Rich. Find ways to score points next year. Uh, very bold strategy, but that's kind of thinking you have to have when you're sitting <laughs> out of the playoffs two weeks ago. Uh, again, Rich, I feel like we've broken down this game, this exact game, four or five times this year. Pats couldn't stop the run, couldn't get anything going on offense, had to settle for field goals, and got beat up by a better team. That's kind of wash, rinse, repeat for 2020. And... All the scenarios we were talking about, three of five things had to happen, and this team needed to lose to that team, and this team needed to, didn't matter because the Patriots lost. They are officially out of the postseason. They are mathematically eliminated. Cannot finish better than eight and eight for the first time since I think 2000. The last time they had a non-losing season, which is absolutely remarkable. Be grateful it happened. Don't lament that it's over. The question, though, now, Rich, there are a lot of Patriots fans out there who maybe weren't alive the last time they were in the situation, <laughs> weren't weren't really involved with the, the team the way they are now, and are facing a final two weeks of the season where they don't really know what to expect, how to watch, 
what to look, root for, what not to root for. So where do the Patriots go from here? As they get ready to rebuild and retool for 2021, there are still two weeks up to 2020. They're playing the Bills on Monday night, and they close off against the Jets, both at home. What should we be looking for as Patriots fans? Do you want to go play spoiler? Do you want to get them in there? Do you want to throw some trick plays out? Do you want to rest all your starters? How do you want to approach this season as a fan? What's your ideal scenario for these last two weeks? Yeah, I mean, honestly, based off of draft scenario, which is where the Patriots' focus should be right now, I don't think it really matters that much if they go 6-10 and 10 versus 8-8. Eight and eight. I mean, defeating the Bills is a tall task. Uh, I wouldn't be shocked if it happened, but I, I would not expect it to happen. And so the Patriots finishing you know, anywhere in that range isn't going to do too much based off the type of player that they're going to get. They, they are in the bottom half of the league. They, they will have enough of a chance to get a good, solid player. So if I'm the Patriots, I'm going to continue to figure out who do we have in our cupboard that we can utilize moving forward as a player that we can invest in, as a player that can actually perform when their number is called upon, and being honest about where this Patriots team is, right? They rank 27th in points right now, and that is hugely boosted by their great performance against the, the Los Angeles Chargers. Remove that above-average performance, and they rank 30th ahead of only the two New York teams. So th this is an offense that is atrocious, and they needed to have a lot of help from special teams to get to that point. Uh, the last time that the Patriots ranked 27th or worst on offense was back in 1992, and that was before they drafted Drew Bledsoe. So that's where the Patriots are on offense. They are historically bad. And so if I'm the Patriots, I need to figure out who do we have on offense and who, where, where do we need to invest moving forward? And sure, you, you've invested two draft picks into your pair of young tight ends, uh, and they've been trying to get Dalton Keene some targets. Uh, you also have Ryan Izzo, sure, who is uh, you know still technically a young player. And you need to figure out, is this an offseason where you need to invest in a veteran tight end? And that means throw the ball to these tight ends. Figure out what they got. And I know that there's a larger learning curve for the tight ends, but until you give them the opportunities, who knows? Who knows what you have there? And so, I mean, I go up and down this roster and say, who here is over the age of 30 years old? And just put in the younger players. And there's nothing that the Patriots can do for the rest of the year. If they play spoiler, that's great. But you need to really take stock of who is on this roster because this next upcoming offseason is going to be an even greater reboot than this past year when they lost Tom Brady. So you would like to see basically the young guys get a lot of reps, throw some interesting plays out there, just kind of balls to the wall, see what happens, and see who can kind of be uh, a player that the coaching staff can look at and be like, all right, this is one of the guys we're going to build around next year. Let's use these last two weeks to really get these young guys some not meaningful reps because it's December, but like some, some kind of looking towards next season reps. And if a player or two or three or whatever can stand out, we'll kind of use those guys as our core for next year. That's kind of what you're thinking for the last two weeks? Yeah, absolutely. Let, let Chase Winovich play. Let Byron Cowart get more snaps out there. Let Anthony Jennings, I know he played a lot this past game against the Dolphins, let him play some more. Throw in J.C. Jackson and Jojuan Williams out there. I know that uh, Stephon Gilmore is going to be dealing with a quad injury, so there'll be more opportunities for Miles Bryant to be out there. Josh Uche, let all of those players go out there in favor. You know, you don't need to have John Simon out there anymore. You know what you have with him. Lawrence Guy, you don't need to keep him out there, right? You have Jason McCourty. 
even Devin McCourty. I mean, I, I would like Devin out there just because he knows and he'll be able to at least guide the younger players to be where they have to go. But there, there are enough players over the age of 30 that the Patriots can say, all right, please just sit down the last two weeks. You don't need to be out there. Protect yourself, protect your health, and let these younger players have these final two weeks as an extension of the preseason. What about the question that's going to be on everyone's mind that I'm surprised that no one's talking about all season, which is starting Jarrett Stidham over Cam Newton? What would you do, <laughs> Chill? Do you want to let Cam finish out the string? you want to throw Jarrett Stidham in there in that, that, that conversation as well? Absolutely put Stidham out there. There's no reason for Cam to be out there anymore. He gave it his best shot this year. The, I don't think that Stidham would have done much better if he had, was given that same opportunity over the course of the whole season, but put out Stidham. There's no point not to, right? There's nothing that they're playing for from a competition standpoint. And, you know, Cam Newton, maybe he comes back for one more year as the a bridge player to whoever the Patriots pick, but I would be shocked. I would not really expect Newton to be back with the Patriots, whereas Stidham's currently under contract. And so if it's about showcasing the receivers and the other skill players in the best possible light to actually understand who you're going to be having on the team for next year, does Newton really give you much better of an opportunity to showcase those players than Stidham does? I don't really think so. I mean, Newton's definitely a better player, but from an overall who can just throw the ball to them, I don't think that there's too much of a big difference. Whereas like Cam can produce more with his legs and that's great. And that's a huge asset. I just think that Stidham hasn't had a full chance to, to go out there. I know he's had plenty of opportunities from, you know, 33 pass attempts is nothing to sneeze at. And he hasn't done too much with them. But we know what Cam is, and we don't know if he'll even be back. No, I agree totally with that. And I think this season would have been a great opportunity for Cam Newton to showcase his talents, maybe play his way onto a bigger contract, either with New England or elsewhere in the league. I'm not sure he's done that in terms of his performance. And I, I, I'm all for it at this point. I really thought Cam was your best bet to win, make a deep postseason run. But now that's completely off the table. I just don't see any reason to put Cam in there for anybody's sake. Give Stidham a shot. Maybe he lights it up. Maybe he doesn't. I think it's a great test against the Bills. And then against the Jets, you know, that's a good good uh, starter game. And if the Patriots lose that game and the Jets win, it's even better because it probably screws New York even more to Trevor Lawrence. So kind of a win situation for the Patriots there. This is interesting. Uh, again, this is, a, this is a new one since I started covering the Patriots for Pat's Pulpit back in 2010 or so. Uh, I'm not a total stranger to the season being over this early, but it's been a while. And uh, – Again, there's something to be said, something kind of therapeutic about having it done this early, not having to worry about it, and being able to play spoiler, and maybe taking some smug satisfaction and knowing if they were to upset the Bills in Gillette on Monday night, maybe you, you messed up Buffalo's playoff seating a little bit, and it causes them that much more pain. But again, it's really all about the offseason and next year at this point. Yeah, totally. And I, I mean, what are you really going to get from the Patriots at this point? Instead, appreciate that they had such a great run. It's not entirely over so long as Belichick is there and they'll be able to reload and be in a better spot next year. But it's also worth being honest and saying, okay, this Patriots team has an atrocious defensive front seven. They have very bad receivers and tight ends. They are not good enough at any point to stop the run or score on offense. And that's kind of the most important thing uh, for what the Patriots try to accomplish. Uh, as a team. And so that is what they are. Um, Alec, my one last question for you right now is that as we, we've talked a lot about next year, talking a lot about what we are looking for, who are the players this year? If you had to give me three players that have done 
enough this year to make you feel confident that they are a big piece of the Patriots for the future. Who would those three players be? I will give you two on each side. I'll tell you, I'll tell you I love Chase Winovich. I think what he brings to the table is fantastic. Uh, with honorable mention to Josh Uche in very limited snaps, I think he's got the instincts and the ability. And second honorable mention to Kyle Duggar. I think those are some good um, good uh, players to, to talk about as well. But Chase Winovich and J.C. Jackson, man, he is a legit number one corner. Uh, Stephon Gilmore, who's injured, he's going to be in contract year next year. So it might be a kind of restructure or trade situation for Gilmore. His status is going to be under under scrutiny. But J.C. Jackson's a cornerback I feel very confident in having out there. Uh, so those are my two on on the defensive side of the ball. On offense, I love Jacoby Myers. I think he's only going to get better. I don't think he's a number one receiver. I think if the Patriots can get a number one receiver and put him into like a, a Chris Hogan style, maybe Julian Edelman-esque role, his status, Edelman's status with the team, is going to be very interesting to talk about in the offseason. But Jacoby Myers would be a great number two, number three receiver. He can really thrive in that role. And how can you not love Michael Owenwu, man? What a, mm-hmm. what a potential rookie of the year candidate he's been. The Patriots' defense offensive line has always been in flux. Uh, Joe Tooney has that franchise tag designation. Who knows what's going to happen with him? They have some really good pieces in place on the offensive line, and I think Owen has been an absolute uh, godsend and a beautiful diamond in the rough find. Those are my those are my my guys. I completely agree with all of them. Uh, just a couple others that I would add: uh, Damian Harris at running back has been fantastic. Absolutely think that he is going to be a big piece of this offense moving forward, no matter who is uh, under center. I'll add an Adam Butler. Uh, who is still just 26 years old. He's very young. He, he is entering you know, his prime. I think he is a bright piece of this defense and will continue to develop as a player. Uh, and my last one, uh, one Mr. Jake Bailey, <laughs> Mr. Pro Bowl himself. I think that Jake Bailey uh, has given the Patriots a lot of consistency at the position. He is arguably the best punter in the league right now, uh, and he provides extra value on kickoffs thrilled with how he's been able to perform uh you know ryan allen who bailey replaced was a solid punter you know he would fluctuate between being average to being otherworldly uh and so that's tough shoes to fill allen could have been the mvp against the rams in the super bowl and bailey has been consistent uh consistently great so kudos to bailey and i think that he helps with that special teams performance and gives the patriots some hope on all sides of the the football I hope I never say this again, but I am saying it proudly right now. Jake Bailey is the best team on the Patriots in 2020. <laughs> they never get that moniker again, but enjoy it while you got it, Jake Bailey. Yeah, no, it's true. It's true. He is the best player on this Patriots team. Um, and so we'll continue to break down the season. We'll have a podcast later this week on Christmas when the Patriots take on the Buffalo Bills later, uh, but we'll be able to break it down on Christmas. Alec, do you have any final thoughts on week 15 of the NFL season? No, I'm uh, I'm sick of this, Rich. Big lump of coal for my Christmas stocking. <laughs> All right. Well, until next time, Alec, you have a good one. See you, buddy. Later.